Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Slide break. Lord, we just thank you for this day. Thank you that you are a God of purpose, that you have plans for us. And we want to press into those tonight, Lord. We, wherever we are, want to know your presence with us. So we pray, God, open our hearts afresh to you. As we look at your word, would you excite us again? For Jesus, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It's great to be with you guys. Uh, as uh, Tim has said, I uh, work for the Message Trust. I oversee their mission, which involves Eden, as well as this new thing I'm working on called Proximity Network, as well as all the bands that you might know. Uh, I work for a guy called Andy Hawthorne, well-known fella, as well as some CCMers. You might know um, Joe Barrett or Joe Baggett, as I like to call him, Andy Wells, and also uh, Emily, uh, yes, Ellie, Ellie Dickinson, and it's her birthday today. So happy birthday, Ellie. It's great to be with you guys. Uh, my family, yes, we started going to the CCM about three weeks before the lockdown. And, uh, and then I suppose we've therefore been online, doing online church far longer than we have actually in the physical presence. Um, I have to confess, I've also done church at CCM in the back uh, one particular week, but we won't necessarily dwell on that too long. Uh, it's great, though. Uh, it's been a, such a blessing to our family. Our kids do like a kids thing in the morning before... The adults get together. I was just overhearing the kids this morning just, just beautifully describing what was going on in their worlds and talking about Jesus. And it made me so grateful for CCM. So thanks, guys, for everything. Uh, I don't know about you, but I would love to start a new Christian festival. Now, I'm not talking about Soul Survivor or New Day. I'd like a new like celebration day. Like I know we have CCM days. But I'd like something broader that the whole Christian faith could work on together and could celebrate. I feel like we need more because we get like Easter and then there's this nine month period. And I was trying to check uh, that there wasn't anything I was missing. But we have to wait until Christmas before we get to celebrate and party again. I love parties. Like they're so good and we should be doing more of them. I was, I was thinking before we had kids, we got invited to so many parties. It was, it was crazy. How many parties? One of the most memorable parties I can remember going to was that we were invited to my neighbor Karen's daughter's 18th birthday party. Now, Karen is a fascinating woman. You probably can't find anyone like Karen. Karen, during the day, was a sex chat line operative, but she was also the conservative party candidate from my area. Was, you can't write that stuff. It's just beyond your imagination. Karen is like the matriarch of the estate. And so to get like an invitation to her daughter's birthday was a big deal. And so wanting to, you know, make links to the community, me and my not yet wife, Nikki, went to this party. The problem was it was in the worst pub in Openshaw, a pub called CK's. Now, so notorious that the police have shut it down. It's now a furniture shop at the top of my street. And uh, CK's was forever dark. It had this very bad reputation of, of uh, drugs being sold there. You know, you'd walk in. It's the kind of place that 
as soon as you walked in, if you were uninvited, the jukebox would stop and the people would look, look at you like you were somehow lost. And about halfway through a night, a man would come round and sell you meat that he'd found. And so it's, this party's in CKs upstairs. And so we, we, went, we went and the party was okay. You know, it had all the typical things like a, a relatively good buffet and a, a pretty poor DJ. But I remember me and Nikki kind of filled our paper plates with food, a mountain of food like you do, went back to our kind of pub table and uh, began to eat and then in walks a policeman awkward right but it gets more awkward because as soon as someone spots the policeman the music changes and then it's at that point then i realized that this isn't a policeman and that we need to get out of there real quick so i'm like forget the food like people start whooping this guy starts undressing and I'm like, where is the fire, fire escape? And I'm thinking, how do we leave without drawing attention to ourselves that the, the geeky Christians in the corner can't stand a little bit of um, fun, so they've left. And so I just didn't know what to do. So I was like, we kind of, I got Nikki to kind of shimmy and dance across the, out and out of the way, out of this pub so that we could escape down the fire escape. And that was, that was my experience. But, you know, Christians, we should be far better at doing parties. We've got so much to celebrate. We should want to be party people. I think the party that I would want, the festival that I'd want to create, would be the Great Commission Day. It could be today. We could say that whatever, the 14th or 15th of, of May every year, sometime between Resurrection Sunday and Ascension Day, which I think is is next Thursday, we need to find a day where we celebrate because this day is a phenomenal day, one that has shaped and, and in a sense, been at the center point of the purpose of the church since the day it happened. Those words that Jesus speaks right at the end of Matthew's gospel have really been the blueprint for kingdom expansion, the fundamental principles for church. And it's those that I want to kind of dig us into this evening let me just read to you from the end of Matthew Matthew chapter uh, Matthew 28 from verse 16 or as Americans would say 16 through 20 here we go then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go when he saw that uh, when they saw him they worshipped him but some doubted then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Let me just talk you through some of my thoughts on this. Firstly, I love that Jesus wanted to be with his friends. He's, he's just defeated death and has every right to go back to heaven to be with his dad. But yet Jesus wants to be amongst his people. Why? Because he has purpose there. He's got unfinished business. Jesus knows that uh, the people of God are going to need more than the crucifixion story. We get, he knows we're going to need the resurrection to prove that he didn't just die for us but has come to life to defeat death once and for all. And Jesus knows more. He knows that the, the church are going to need more than the resurrection, that we're going to need to have seen Jesus. 
and we, he knows that we're going to need these final instructions to have the baton handed over to us, the disciples. And the disciples are going to need this plan spelling out. If you read what they were doing after they'd known that Jesus had raised from the dead, I mean, Peter and the boys went fishing. I reckon Jesus was like, meet me up a mountain because we need to talk about what's next. And so he gives them, you know, he's going to give them this great plan, the purpose and direction of the church. And so when I read later on, when the Apostle Paul begins to describe what the gospel is, let me just tell you what he says in 1 Corinthians. He says this from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. For what I receive, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living and some have fallen asleep because they've had too much Sunday lunch. The gospel is this, the death of Christ on the cross for sin, burial in the tomb, resurrection from the grave, and the appearance to many. It's the whole package, Paul tells us. And I love that the, the, the disciples are given this location of where they're going to meet Jesus next. They didn't, uh, we don't know where the mountain is, but they knew where the mountain was, and they begin this journey. And I imagine as they as they set out from Jerusalem to Galilee, they begin to pick up folks along the way. See, the 500 that Paul mentions to the Corinthians, those 500 brothers and sisters, are believed to be those who were also present on the mountain when Jesus gives us the Great Commission. Those 11, imagine the 11 disciples, power marching their way from Jerusalem to Galilee. There would have been attention drawn to them purpose fixed, you know, beginning to pick up pace. We've got to get to the mountain. Mary would have been there, and Mary, and all the other Marys. I reckon they all went together. People begin to come out of the woodwork. Maybe some of those people who had been like the, the, the branch wavers are, are part of the triumphal entry. Maybe as they begin to hear the rumor that the disciples are on their way to meet Jesus. They're like, if they're going, we're going. So imagine it kind of builds like the way to Amarillo, but the disciples step out in front and then people begin to gather behind so that by the time they get to the mountain in Galilee, 500 of them are there. And I wonder, you know, did they take the, the three-day direct route to get to Galilee or did they take the two-day extra detour to go around Samaria or had the teachings of Jesus begun to impact the way that they were thinking route one we love our neighbors we love our enemies straight through Samaria bosh let's get to Galilee because Jesus is there and I wonder how long uh, they had to wait on the mountain did they like get up the mountain and they're all sat around did you hear it right is he coming or was he already there for them at the mountaintop and then did you know, you know, when, when you're on a family holiday going towards the sea and like someone you have that game where you say, like, um, our first one to see the sea gets a prize. I wonder if they were like, whoever sees Jesus first, you know, and then one of the 500 sees Jesus on top of the mountain and begins to sprint 
And the sprint, and you imagine what Peter and John are like. They're like mad, mad, crazy competitive. Who can get there? They'd already been doing that Olympic, you know, walking. We're definitely walking. We're not running. But, and then they see Jesus and then off they go in great pursuits. And then imagine the worship that breaks out. Imagine being in the presence of Jesus. Like, imagine while we're in this little meeting right now, if, if Jesus popped up live on Zoom, what would begin to happen? There'd be a, a fair amount of squealing and, and shrieking and then maybe jumping and clapping and whooping and hollering. And then maybe those beautiful lady voices that we've just heard begin to sing and to to join us all in song as we begin to worship Jesus, the one who is with us. He said he'd raised from the dead and now he's here on the mountainside and we can be with him. Oh, and there'll also be one fainter, like Jesus appears, whoa, too much, bosh, they've gone. And I wonder who's the first person to, 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 to run in front and to try and to hold him and to hug him. You know, it'd be like, I imagine uh, what it might be like when we're allowed, fully allowed out of lockdown. Think of the person that you would most love to see, how, how, how much you'd like to embrace them and hold on to them. And imagine then seeing Jesus. It must be like the same man. I, I just want to hold the guy. I'd be like, right, let's get an orderly cue. We all want to touch him. So let's form an orderly cue. Let's be sensible about this. You can have uh, 15 seconds each. Hold him, squeeze him, then move on. We all, there's 500 of us and we've got things to do. So come on, get with the program. But then there's this really fascinating line right there. Some of them worshipped. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Some doubted. I, like, how can this be? The risen Jesus is right there. He's like in the flesh. He's not a ghost. He's proper. Like, He's proven he's real. In another story, he eats fish just to, you know, show that it doesn't drop through the floor, floor like some, some kind of Casper the Friendly Ghost. He's genuine there in the flesh. He can be seen, he can be heard, and he can be touched. And I'm blown away. How could it possibly be that people could see him and sense him and yet still doubt? But maybe there's some confusion. Maybe, maybe he just looks very different in his resurrected form. There's something that doesn't quite feel right. Maybe there's confusion about how the whole thing is possible. Like, how can you be here one minute and gone the next? How did you raise from the dead? And maybe there's maybe that word there that when some doubted is maybe it's a confusion. I don't know. Let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt. But you know what? I'm so grateful that line is in the Bible. I take heart because it shows me that some people really struggle to believe in Jesus. Some people that I've journeyed with for years still can't believe. However obvious I make it. Like I think about one guy in my community. I've known him for almost 20 years. I've prayed with him. I've studied the Bible with him. He's been to church for many years. I've provided for his needs as many people around me have done. I've, he has witnessed miracles in his own life. We've prayed and miracles have happened. And he's seen miracles in the lives of some of us too. And he's uh, watched the way in which we've loved one another. You know, Jesus said, by the way that you love each other, people will know that you're mine. I'm thinking, yes, maybe he'll see that we belong to Jesus. 
But yet, you know, if, if I was to sitting down here and say, hey, Bob, um, so Jesus then, are you in or are you out? He'd say, just not sure. I'm like, how can you not be sure? <laughs> you witness like amazing things happen. How can it, are you not be sure? Or I, I just don't think he could be real. Um, probably was a nice guy. Maybe he, he existed, but there's no way he was risen from the dead. No way he died upon the cross. And it can make me feel like such a failure. Like we've no holds barred, relentlessly evangelized this guy for years. But I take heart because, you know, even with the, the living, breathing, resurrected Jesus amidst a group of 5,000 on top of a mountain, which he's told them to go to, people still weren't convinced. So take heart, guys. If you've been trying to bring your friends and family to Jesus for years, take heart. You're not the really bad example. You're not the worst evangelist in the world. Even with Jesus there, some people doubted. And then it goes on to say, and then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And this is awesome. You know why? Because a few years earlier, right at the start of Jesus's ministry, we get like the, the kind of induction, get, we get the story of Jesus' induction into ministry. And it starts with the baptism that he gets from John. And you know, as he goes down in the water, we hear about how the sky is torn open and this dove descends uh, and it's the Holy Spirit. It kind of lands on Jesus and identifies him as the chosen one. And then this amazing voice, this powerful voice from heaven says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then he's taken from the river, from the place of, you know, of, of anointing straight out into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And this is what it says in Luke chapter four. The devil led him to a high place. See if you can see the similarities here, right? The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you uh, all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you will worship me, it will be all yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus was taken to a high place and offered all authority on earth. Here's a shortcut to power. You don't need to go to the cross. You don't need to die. You can be given authority. But what the devil was offering him was not the real deal. Christ overcomes the devil and he overcomes death. And now he stands again in the high place. But this time he's received authority, all authority. Paul writes this, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus has all authority. Here's a bit of maths for you. If you take all authority in heaven and you add to it all authority on earth, that equals total authority. And Jesus has it all. 
it's beautiful, it's wonderful, and it's so purposeful. Because what does Jesus do with it? With his authority, he sends out his disciples on his mission. And there's an important thing. We are not sent about our mission, but sent about the mission of God. As the Father sent the Son, the Son sends us. And with it, we go in his authority and with his authority. What's amazing about Jesus, what I find consistently wonderful about Jesus, is that he gives whatever he has to those who follow. If you read through the scriptures, you'll see it time and time again. He gives us his power, his peace, his glory, his presence, his sonship, his inheritance. All that Christ has, he shares with us. And so when we think about his authority, we know that it's authority not to demand us to obey him, but to empower us to do his mission. He doesn't say, I've got all authority, so you better do what I say. He says, I have all authority therefore go it's a compelling a drawing this is what i have and those who are for me and those who are with me i bless with my authority we are given kingdom authority for kingdom purpose i believe that too we too are the disciples you know those who choose to follow jesus are called by him we are discipled by him and therefore we carry his authority to go and make disciples. See, we have this authority to go. And by the way, that word go is really important because go is an active verb. Go is, is really saying that, therefore go and be going. Disciples should always be on the go. As we go, we are making disciples. We are apprenticing people in the gospel all nations like everybody is included every group every tribe every tongue every nation all people are welcomed to be disciples of jesus this is what's so awesome about the gospel there is nothing that separates any of us from from being with jesus all are included the gospel is for all they are to go uh, with all authority about the business of making disciples and we the disciples of Jesus should always be going and always be about discipling those around us and I know what you're thinking I know what you're thinking yes Sam but right now we cannot go we can't leave the house we're not allowed to meet people so how are we supposed to be going let me tell you this this is one of the only times in the history of the world where we have a legitimate excuse not to quite be going in the way we want to be going. But time is running out. I reckon you have two more weeks, two more weeks, and then we need to be getting back at going. If you're not already doing stuff online and ministering to your friends and ministering to your family and thinking, how am I teaching them the ways of Christ? How am I drawing them to be more like him? Making disciples looks like baptism. It says baptizing them in the name of the Father. We are baptizing people into the family of God. How incredibly precious is that? We are baptizing people into the family of God. A family that we are a part of 
the gospel means that we are joining with the heavenly family we join the trinity and i always feel like a like a like i'm blaspheming because it's such a precious union that we are brought into but we baptize people into that family and baptism means that repentance has taken place and for repentance to have taken place we need to teach them the ways of jesus the things that he says the way we should live and then when we see our lives in in in, in relation to what jesus has commanded we will realize the distance and repentance will take place have you ever read through the commands of jesus it says therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father son and holy spirit and teaching them to obey all that i have commanded have you read the commands they are like mind-blowing like incredible and exceedingly uh, countercultural and, and very very challenging really radical love your neighbor love your enemy do not lust keep your word go the extra mile lay up your treasures in heaven seek first the kingdom judge not others choose the narrow way pray fear not deny yourself be a servant and the list goes on bring the poor near bring the poor in and there's so many more things extreme and radical stuff that is going to cost you the world and the last of those commandments is to go and make disciples and, and this is where this beautiful idea of disciples who make disciples comes from because as we go about making disciples and teach them the commands of christ the final one we'll say is oh and by the way it's now your turn take this mandate take this authority and go and make more the kingdom should be ever increasing my boss andy always says you know more people will be saved today than they were yesterday the gospel and its kingdom continue to advance we've got to be a multiplication people but you know what discipleship and discipling is extremely hard it's not easy i don't pretend to be the expert in any way it's quite daunting at times and very exhausting and that's why jesus is so generous in that he he gives us this promise to finish us off. Right at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, we get this great promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Surely I am with you. Jesus is with his disciples. Jesus is with those who are going. He's with those who are going and making disciples. Jesus is with us. Now, how is that possible? Because I know I read the scriptures too. It says that Jesus is right now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And his job now is to intercede for us. But Jesus, in his great grace, gives us his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Christ dwells with us. As we go about the mission of God, he is with us. And so we can stop. And we can pray. And we can say, Holy Spirit, come. The most ancient of prayers, Holy Spirit, come. Help us with the mission of God. Fill us with the power of God to do what he would have us do. And so I, I've not yet seen anything of a church service where we've waited on the Holy Spirit to come. Maybe in your Fallowfield 
church service, you're, you're used to at this point standing up and opening your arms in a posture and welcoming the Holy Spirit and saying, come Lord, we need you. Without you, we are nothing. If we try and do this in our own strength, we're exhausted. But Lord, we need your strength and your power. And so as I finish now, I'm going to ask you, I'm, I don't really know if you're standing up, I'm not going to force you to do that, but I want to pray with us that the Holy Spirit would come. See, the Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as is Jesus, unchanging in his nature. So the same Spirit that was alive, that rose Christ from the dead, can be alive in us today, strengthening us, it says in Ephesians, strengthening us in our innermost being so that Christ may be present. And so we're going to welcome the Holy Spirit and say, come Lord, fill us afresh. So ready yourself. Open yourself up to the Lord. We say, God, we need you. Without you, we're nothing. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life and death and resurrection and appearing. And we thank you that in his leaving, he leaves us his spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Draw us again to intimacy with Christ, to know the fullness of heaven. Strengthen us as we go. Give us all that we need to do your mission, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit.